Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the Word. God bless you. I have a word for you this morning that I I feel um, the burden of heaven to share with you. It's a prophetic word. I'm going to be sharing from a passage of Scripture that... uh, most Bible scholars will say you are never to read publicly because it is that brutal. And you will, in fact, as I read it, come to understand that it is indeed brutal. Um, But in order to tell the story and properly convey what I feel the Lord is wanting me to share, even more than share, I'm not going to preach to you so much today as I want to impart something. A prophetic word is bigger than the words that are spoken. It actually carries something. So this word is sent out to bring a shift to the church, not just our church, but to the churches across America and I believe the globe. We're going through a great shifting right now. I'm going to be sharing from a passage of Scripture found in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 19. I love the book of Judges because what it reveals to us is how broken the world is without a saviour. If, if there was ever a need for Jesus to come, Judges proves it. The most often repeated statement in the book of Judges is there was no king in those days, no leadership, no church leadership, and every man and woman did what was right in their own eyes. America, you are here. <laughs> But I'm going to be sharing a story from the end of Book of Judges, chapter 19, because I believe we're at the precipice of a a shifting in the times and the seasons. Judges ends, and then we bump into the Book of Ruth. Ruth is actually happening simultaneously as Judges is happening. It's like they did a little, like a spin-off series. So they did Yellowstone, yeah. Judges was Yellowstone. And then the book of Ruth is like, what was it, 1983? Oh, yeah, I was a century off, 1883, right? A little spin-off. Ruth was the spin-off, right? But then we bump into the book of Samuel, and we see the world start to shift as a woman by the name of Hannah prevails to God, a barren woman for a child, and gives birth to Samuel, the prophet, the anointer of kings. And I believe it's a picture of the the time and the season that we're in today. But I want to share from this this story, just just fasten your seatbelts, everybody. Kitties, it it may need some parental supervisation, but we're going to go there because just like the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, Revelation, those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And the Spirit of God is saying something very clearly to the church in this hour. Judges 19, it says this. And it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel, no leadership, that there was a certain Levite. Let me fill in a little bit of a blank for you. The Levites were the tribe of Israel that were the priestly tribe. The Bible tells us in the book of uh, Revelation chapter number one that you and I are all kings and priests. 
What, is it, what does a priest do? What did a Levite do? They, they carried the message of God to the people. So right now what we're seeing is, is let's call him a believer. Let's call him a Christian. Let's call him a priest, a Levite. And this priest was staying in the remote mountains of Ephraim. I already have a question. If you're called to be an advocate between God and the people and bring God's word and his message and his ways, what are you doing living in the remote mountains of Ephraim? How are you going to impact the people you called to impact if you're isolated from them? I wonder if he did this simply because of the depravity of the world. But as we read this story, it becomes very clear, very quickly, that even though this priest had removed himself from the world, the spirit of the world still was in him. And he took for himself a concubine. It's lonely up here in the mountains. But you know what? I don't want the responsibility of a wife. But I would like some sex. So I'm going to go find myself a concubine. Interesting choice, my friend. You're a man of covenant. You're a man that is meant to carry the message, not just the message of God, but the heart and the spirit of God. And instead of getting a bride, you look for a concubine. I want to extract from her, but I don't want to be a husband to her. I want someone to look after me, but I don't want to look after her. This is where we find him. And then this concubine that he got for himself played the harlot against him. Sorry, not shocked. Not shocked. I'm not condoning adultery here by any means. But it was very clear this man saw her as a concubine, only useful for sex, that she too saw herself as only useful for sex. How you treat somebody is how they will behave themselves. What you label them, what you call them, is what they will either live up to or down to. She played the harlot against him, and then she ran away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah. And she was there four whole months. For four months, she's back in her father's house. Then all of a sudden, the Bible says, that the husband, interesting that the Bible calls him a husband, but he does not refer to her as wife, but concubine. Her husband arose and went after her to speak kindly to her, to say all the right things and bring her back because it's been four months and I've got the urge. So having his servant and a couple of donkeys with him, with him. So she brought him into her father's house. The concubine greets him. He came to get me. Perhaps he loves me after all. Some women run away because they want to be chased. Am I worth chasing? I'll speak kindly to her, bring her back. She brought him into the father's house. And when the father, the father of the young woman saw him, he was glad to meet him. Now his father-in-law, the young woman's father, detained him and he stayed with him three days. So they ate and they drank and they lodged there. Then it came to pass on the fourth day that they arose to go back and he stood to depart. But the young woman's father said to his son-in-law, refresh your heart with a morsel of bread and afterward go your way. So they sat down and the two of them ate and drank together. There was merriment and mirth in the house of the father. And the young woman's father said, please stay another night and let your heart be merry. 
And the man stood to depart and his father-in-law urged him again, please lodge here again. Don't leave my house. Don't leave my house. Stay in the father's house. Then he arose early in the morning on the fifth day to depart. But the young woman's father said again, please refresh your heart because in his house is fullness of joy with a morsel of bread. Let me feed you. Let me sustain you. And then afterwards you can go your way. So they sat down again and the two of them ate and drank together. And then when the man stood to depart, he and his concubine said to his servant, verse 9, his father-in-law, the young woman's father, said to him, look, the day is now drawing toward evening. It is getting dark out there. The light is fading. Things are getting dark. Do not leave my house. Spend the night with me. Do not take my daughter out of my house when it's getting dark. Lodge here that your heart may be merry. Tomorrow go your way early so that you may get home. However, the man was not willing to spend the night and he rose and he departed and he took his concubine with him. And then we see that he came to an Israeli town. He passed through a foreign town. He said, I'm not going to lodge here because these are not God's people. So he came to a town in Israel and lo and behold, he found the same spirit in the town of the foreigners who were idol worshippers, idolaters, who had given themselves completely over to every perversion, he now found that same spirit in God's people. That same spirit that existed in the immoral and the perverse and those who hated God was now found in God's very people. So they're out in the town square looking for somewhere to stay for the night because sure enough, it has gotten dark. Nighttime has fallen. And an old man who himself had been infected with the spirit of this age but still had a little bit of light in him, just a glimmer, said, don't stay in the open square. It is not safe for you, even though these are God's people and this is Israel. Come and stay in my house. So they stayed in the old man's house and this is what happened next. It says, as they were enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men of the town, perverted men, surrounded the house and beat on the door. They would not be ignored. They spoke to the master of the house, the old man, saying, bring out the man who came to your house, this priest, this Levite, that we may know him carnally. But the man, the master of the house, the old man, went to them and said to them, no, my brethren, I beg you, do not act so wickedly. This man has come into my house. Do not commit this outrage. Look, here is my virgin daughter. How messed up is the most virtuous man in town when the perverted people in the town are busting at the door? He's protecting the priest and offering up his innocent virgin daughter and the man's concubine who should have been his wife. Humble them. And do with them as you please. Are you hearing this? This is not some fairy tale. This actually happened. This actually took place. But to this man, do not do such a vile thing. But then the men would not heed him because that spirit of the age and perversion must not be satiated. It cannot be satiated. It demands a response. 
And in this moment, the response was not to send out the priest, as was his responsibility, to cover the people, to defend the innocent, but rather the priest got his concubine. See, he knew how to speak kindly. Oh, but they were just words. When push came to shove, there was no kindness in his heart. He was just in the house of this woman's father, enjoying his hospitality enjoying the food and the drink and the camaraderie and the refreshment. And yet at the first chance, he had to repay that kindness. Instead, he tossed her out to be ravaged by the perverted men of the city. And then the man took his concubine and brought her out to them, and they knew her. And I want to be very clear here. The Bible is sanitizing this part, to know her meant, and they raped her. And they abused her all night until morning. And when the day began to break, they let her go. Then the woman came as the day was dawning and she fell down at the door of the man's house where the master was till it was light. When her master arose in the morning, probably the most disgusting scripture in the Bible, when the master arose, are you kidding me? A woman that you've been intimate with, that has given you what is most precious to her, has been thrown into the street by you to be ravaged by a perverse mob, and you're sleeping? You're sleeping? when he arose in the morning, okay, and opened the doors of the house and went out to go his way, there was his concubine, fallen at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. And he said to her, get up, let's go. Come on, what you doing? Get up. But there was no answer. So the man lifted her onto the donkey and the man got up and went to his place. He went back to the mountains. When he entered his house, he took a knife and laid hold of his concubine and divided her, cut her up into 12 pieces, limb by limb, and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. So it was that all who saw it said, no such deed has ever been done or seen from the day that the children of Israel came up from the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, confer it and speak. The title of my message is when the house of the priest doesn't feel like the house of the father. Here's this woman. She's staying with a man who is willing to use her. And by this woman, I'm talking about the unredeemed bride of Christ those who are yet to come into the house of God and experience redemption and salvation. There are many who don't want Christ, who will reject him on every end, but this woman represents those who are looking for rescue, those who are looking for love. And here we find that She leaves the house of the priest. Perhaps she thought, oh my gosh, the dream, I'm marrying a man of God, I'm marrying a Christian. I'm marrying a Christian, it's going to be so amazing. But then she's used and she's discarded. 
When she bears no use, she's tossed out the door to be ravaged by the spirit of the world. And she ran back to the house of her father. Are we not in the world today seeing this very thing happen in many churches around the world? I come to the house of the priest, but I can't feel the heart of the father. I'm not where, I can't feel the heart of the father. In the father's house is merriment and refreshment. He doesn't send me out into the darkness to be ravaged by the spirit of the world. Instead, he protects me, he covers me. He says, let me stay a little bit longer. Let me linger in the presence and let me be refreshed. There's celebration in the house of the Father. And they will say about that awakened church, oh, they're always celebrating, yes, because this is the Father's house. We may have some priests, but we are not a house of the cold-hearted priest. We are a heart, a house that represents the heart of the Father. Refresh. How many churches do people come and they look and they're used and abused for what they can offer? They're not treated like the bride of Christ, but a concubine. Oh, come on in and join a team. And I am all about you joining and volunteering and serving the greatest cause ever, building the house of God. But people are not the means. They are the ends. And in too many churches across America, there has been a use and abuse and discard mentality when it comes to the people that God loves and wants to redeem. And I say in Jesus' name, it is enough now. The Spirit of God is rising. The Lion of the tribe of Judah is roaring and saying, you will not treat my bride like a concubine anymore. Do we represent the spirit of the father or the spirit of the cold-hearted priest? And let me just say to you, as Pastor Jürgen's wife, co-senior leader of Awakened Church, I will not allow the spirit of the cold-hearted priest to go uncontested in this house. This house will represent the heart of the father. When the broken... Those who have been ravaged by the spirit of the world find themselves at the door. Imagine you are the priest and you're in that house and you're listening to the screams, but you're sleeping while those who are being ravaged by the spirit of this world are screaming. Do you know what that is? That's cowardice. It's a cowardly priest. Was this woman a casualty of the spirit of the world? Or was she a casualty of the neglect of a cold-hearted priest? We have to ask ourselves that question. As we are coming out of, as the day is breaking, just like this scripture prophesies, and we see the reality of what a world that has been left defenseless without a good shepherd to defend her. And as she crawls and finds a way, I'm not talking about those who hate God and don't want to know God. I'm talking about those who are saying, will you rescue me? Say it if it's worth saving me. And we're going to look at them at the threshold of the church, doing everything they can get to get to the doorway of the church. Will they find a shut door? She manages to crawl her way to the threshold, but there's no answer. The people inside are sleeping. The priest is asleep to the cries of one who has been used and abused and molested by the spirit of the world. And then he has the audacity to to sleep through all this. 
Instead of throwing himself out, standing in the gap for those who are being ravaged by these spirits that want to take our innocence. When we look at the many things that are happening in our world today, it's an attack on the innocence. And in many cases, the church has wanted to retract into the safety of the household and say, oh, I can't hear you. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. Let's have another potluck. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. Are you going to connect group? Kumbaya. And then all the while, the unredeemed bride who's looking for answers is at the door and there is no answer. I believe a shift is coming. The day is breaking. The season is about to turn. And God is not going to allow his bride to be treated like a concubine again. People are not the means to the end. They are the end. If it doesn't build people, then we're not building it. And I want to say to you who have been abused in places that you've come from, look, look, this is not every church. For those of you that have been in churches, church experiences where you were used and then discarded, I want to say to you today, the Lord is here to bring healing to those places. What happened to you was not right. It was wicked and it was evil. And in this house, we will not use you, abuse you and toss you away. We will cherish you and value you. And like the Proverbs 31 woman, what was the first thing the Bible says about her? Great is her worth. And that precedes everything, every epic thing she did. So instead of doing this, this, this cold-hearted priest used and abused, and when she became too much to handle, he tossed her out. When it was expedient for him, he tossed her out to be attacked. And the spirit of the world ravaged her over and over again. Instead of sending himself out there, he stayed inside because he valued his own life preservation. But what if I stand up against the spirits of the world that are attacking the innocence? I better not go out there because I could get attacked. I could get attacked. There's a reason. Pastor Jürgen and I will go places that other pastors won't go. We're going to talk about the things that other pastors won't talk about. Not, not from a place of judgment ever. There is a big difference between the people that are victims to the spirit of this age and the spirits that are trying to destroy them. The Bible is clear. Our wrestle isn't against f- flesh and blood. I will boldly speak out about the value of life and that life begins at conception and attack the spirit which is of the devil that wants to eliminate another cycle of life and put a burden on women's back of guilt and shame and condemnation. But I never for a second am going to say to the woman who was a victim of that spirit, you are condemned, you are guilty, when she bashes on the door in her bloody state and they will come to us. All the people, as the day breaks, they're coming, get ready because a new season is shifting. And they come to us and we look down and they're there and they're, they're messed up because of what the world has done. We do not condemn the person. 
We know the person is a victim of the spirit. We stand against the spirit of the age. We put ourselves in the line of fire. We don't let the innocents pay the price. We don't let the women and children fend for themselves like the priest sits inside in the green room. Give me another sparkling water, please. He puts himself out there. Does he really think, did the priest not for a second think that God was not watching? We don't see God really interact at all in this story because they never invited him in. Can you imagine how things would have been so different if he had said to them, hang, 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 hang on a second, old man. I've just been in this woman's father's house, in this woman's house, her, her father's house. I, I know what the father's house feels like, and it doesn't feel like this. How can you experience the love and the spirit of the father and then not extend it to the people around you? He was in the father's house for five days, and yet the father's spirit had not yet got in him. Does the house of the father represent the heart of the father? Or are we just finding the heart of the cold-hearted priest? Whatever we cherish will flourish. Whatever we use will wither. And there's a yet-to-be-redeemed bride out there looking for a church that carries the heart of the Father. And he opens up the door and he sees her. And instead of even at that point seeing with his eyes what happens when someone is ravaged by the spirit of the world and falling to his knees and performing CPR, looking for signs of life, instead he just kicks her. Come on, get up. How many times has that happened in church? People come to church, all right, come on, build a bridge, get over it. I know, I know you just came through a season of hell, but come on. Get on a team. Do something. We need you. Let the woman flipping heal. Check for signs of life. Signs of life. You kicked her. You sat, you slept in a bed and listened to her screams when the world ravaged her. She crawled to the door. You opened the door. You don't fall to your knees and see, is she living? Is she dead? Can I revive her? You kick her. And when there's no answer, and are you surprised when the world comes to the house of the cold-hearted priest and when you look for signs of life, there's no answer? Of course. Because when she was looking for an answer from you, the door was shut. You were sleeping. Now you're surprised that she doesn't know how to answer? When the church can't answer the hard questions and won't put itself in the line of fire and be courageous and stand up against the spirits of the world? Are we surprised when people turn up ravaged with blue hair and covered in tats calling themselves pansexual? And we, and we want to we wanna make an example out of it. We want to virtue. This is what the spirit of the world does. Is it the spirit of the world or is it the neglect of the priest? The neglect of God's messengers that allowed her to be ravaged to this point. When people come to Awaken Church, will they experience the same culture that the world offers? Is there any difference? Are we clicky? Are we punitive? Are we legalistic? 
Do we use people and then discard them when they're no longer serving a purpose? It's a wicked, wicked spirit. And God is bringing a word today by a very bold woman in a green dress with a split (laughs) to preach on a scripture that men throughout the ages have been afraid to preach on, to, to bring a word to you. Does the house of the priest have the spirit of the father? Does the house of the priest have the spirit of the father? Because if it doesn't, we're just playing. We're just playing. This is theatre. If I am not that down there, the same as I am here down there, I'm playing. I'm a fraud. It's theatre. Oh, God shook the whole world. I'm not happy with the fraud, with the theatre, with the abuse of my bride. Things are going to be better than they've been. But the day is breaking. The day is breaking. The weather is parting. Things are shifting and as the day breaks and we find at the threshold of our door those ravaged by the spirit of this age, will we kick them and go, come on, get up, join a team. Jeez, you still want to talk about that? You're still suffering? God's house is a house of healing. Over and over again in that passage of Scripture, The writer labours to tell us what the Father's house looks like. Refreshing. A place where they can sit at a table and eat again, drink again, be refreshed, laugh, laugh, dream again and be restored in their soul. And when the world is dark, the Father says, stay within my my boundaries. There's safety for you here. The priest doesn't look to check for signs of life. Instead, he just tosses this woman on a donkey, takes it back up the mountain. The Bible actually doesn't say if she was dead. But he got a knife and started to cut her up and distribute her as an example of what the spirit of the world does. Was it the spirit of the world or was it the neglect of the priest? God is wanting to usher us into a new age. The bride of Christ is not to be treated like a concubine. God loves people. And at the breaking of a new day, at the dawn of a new day, before the rise of the prophets, when we see, and this woman represents an unredeemed bride, those looking for Christ, but will they find Him here? Or will they find the heart of a cold-hearted priest. You're just a commodity, a cog in a wheel. Make our mega church mega. Our church is going to grow because we love. We're not going to grow like a weed. We're going to grow like a healthy oak, a cedar where people can come and build a nest in its branches and raise their young and find hope and healing again. to divide the bride, to cut up, even in her most desperate moments. And again, we don't know whether he sliced up a living woman who could yet be revived. Even in her last moments, the priest was cutting 
what He should have been breathing life back into. Don't divide the bride, revive the bride. Don't divide the bride, revive the bride. Don't cut up that which God has called us to breathe life into again. And at the threshold of our doorway will come as the dawn breaks. People have been so ravaged and bearing the wounds of a broken, perverse world. But they're not the perpetrators, they are the victims and should be treated as such. And they need to find a spirit in the house of God that isn't like the cold-hearted priest. Oh, just make my numbers better. Fill my seat. Oh, you're a good seat filler. Ooh, ugly, ugly, ugly. I cancel that spirit. We're in a season of the rise of the good shepherds. Ezekiel said this. He said many good things. (laughs) Woe to you shepherds who feed yourselves and do not feed my sheep. For I have set myself against you. These are sobering words. Not expedient for a pastor to preach if I wanted to live fraudulently, but I don't. I want to fulfill the Great Commission. I want every person that comes into this house to bear the spirit of the Father, not the spirit of the cold-hearted priest. People are not the means to the ends. People are the ends. For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son, that whosoever should believe in Him would not perish, would not be cut into pieces and virtue signaled, but have everlasting life. Amen. Amen. That was, that was a lot. I know. Just close your eyes. We are the church, the Bible says in First Revelations, we are all kings and priests. The book of Corinthians tells us we are all sufficient ministers, not of the law, the letter. For the letter kills, but of the Spirit, for the Spirit brings life. Can we do a personal inventory in this moment? Because we are all the church. We are the bride and we are the priest. We are the carrier of the message. I want to ask you today, have you represented the heart of the Father well? If you're in leadership here, maybe you run a team or a connect group. Have you viewed people as a commodity and you need to write your heart and repent today and value people according to the way that the Lord values them? Have you judged those who have been ravaged by the spirit of the world as unsavable, as dead, no life in them and cut them up and sent them out virtue signaling, this is what the spirit of the world does. No, this is what the neglect of the priesthood does. When the church loses its voice and its courage, the world loses its way. Had that priest have run out into that square and condemned that old man for even suggesting that the innocent virgin and the concubine go out as proxy, Had he have turned around and said, are you kidding me? How could we do such wickedness? I will go. Do you not think that God in heaven would not have seen the courage of the priest and sent down legions of angels to defend? And we've seen it as we, Jürgen and I and our team have stood out in the square fighting against the spirit, not the people. The people are the innocents. The spirit that tries to pervert and defile them is the enemy. As we have fought against that, we have seen the defense of the Lord. 
While the cowards in the church who say nothing, they do nothing, they're the ones that, that have no defense from God and yet we've stood in places that most people are not brave enough to stand and God has defended us every single time. God responds to courage. Will you rise in courage in this hour? Can you differentiate between the victims of the spirit of this world and the spirit of this world itself? It's, it's demonic, it's the devil. It's not a person, it's a devil. I will always speak up for, for life. I always, will always speak up against that wicked spirit. But this is also a place where a woman can come who has had an abortion and not find a closed door and a cold-hearted priest, but an open door, come inside. There's refreshment in the house of your father. There's food, there's drink, there's merriment. Stay a little while longer. Stay out of the darkness. Come and be revived in the house of your father. We're not called to divide the bride. We're called to revive the bride. I want to do two altar calls today. The first one is for those who are in the house today who are feeling a level of like rise on the inside of you. You know what? I I feel like I have maybe stepped away from a battle and an assignment that God has placed me in because I've been afraid of being attacked. And right now I'm feeling the urgency of this story and this message from the Holy Spirit. I'd love it if you'd stand to your feet so I can can pray for you and just say, God, I'm going to stand up as a courageous, a courageous representation of the Father in this hour. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. We are carriers of mercy and truth. Mercy and truth. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I thank you for every person who's standing today. God, I pray, Father, that they would stand in courage in this hour, that they would have the discernment to see the difference between the spirit of the cold-hearted priest and the spirit of the Father, that they would be a representation of the spirit of the Father. Give them courage to come against the spirits of this age that seek to defile, defame, and destroy the innocents. Father, bless them for their transparency today. Father, give them opportunity to be conduits of your great love and your beautiful spirit in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. And the second group of people I want to pray for I just know there are people here who who have felt like that bride who was tossed out into the street to to stand as proxy for a cowardice priest. And you feel like you were used and abused and hurt in church. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. But, But God's house is actually a house of healing. So if you're here and you're saying, you know what, that's me, I want you to stand to your feet like there's healing for you today. I was hurt in the house of the Father, because it didn't have the spirit of the Father, it had the spirit of the cold-hearted priest. I know there's lots of you, so you might as well just stand. Yeah. I know church hurt is a real thing, because people are in church. I get it. Yeah. And it can be difficult. But God's house is a house of healing. And you're going to find that Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And and I'm going to tell you today, it won't be the last time you'll be hurt because people are in church and people are like morons sometimes. I wish it wasn't that way, but they are. They're thoughtless and they're uncaring and insensitive and 
there's immaturity and all the things. But if you can keep your eyes focused on Jesus and He can lead you to a place where you understand what the true heart of the Father looks like and you can allow yourself to be healed by the Holy Spirit as He comes in and puts salve on the wounds that people who should have known better inflicted upon you. Father, I thank you right now. I thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your anointing in this place. God, you see every story. You see every hurt. We come to you, Jesus, the heart healer. We come to you today and we surrender them to you today. We allow you to take out those wounds, those barbs. Father, to even blot out the pain of the memory. But not so much so that we don't forget that we don't forget how it feels to be used and discarded. So we never do it to anybody else. So we carry a different spirit. For these ones here, heal their hearts and help them forgive. Forgive those who have hurt them, as your Bible tells us. And I prophesy and pray over you today that you're about to enter a new season, a new season where you get to feel the true representation of the Father's heart today. You are not a concubine, even though you've been treated like one. God loves you and He values you. You are the bride of Christ. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I know there's a lot a lot to chew on there, but, but like I said, this story, it, it's what it carries. It's what God is saying right now. It's like, Here's the thing, God always deals with His house first. He's not a virtue signaler. He's not like, you all need to do. He's like, okay, let me take a look at my house. Yeah, that's broken. Yeah, that's messed up. Yeah, that needs to be put the other way. Yeah, that needs to be dealt with. And He deals with His house first. And that's what's happening. God's dealing with His house. Because how can we possibly help the dysfunctions of the world if they come in and like, Israel and the pagan nations at the time of Judges, we are exactly the same way. If they find the same spirit here that's out there, they're going to be like, well, what in the world? Why? I'm just going to the beach. There's a beautiful sifting happening. There's a beautiful revealing happening. There's a beautiful shaking happening. And it's actually so good And I felt the Lord say, as I said at the beginning, it's because we're ushering, the day is breaking and we're ushering, we're walking into a new season, the the, the prophetic season where the Samuels will arise, where the Davids will arise and and be a true representation of what the house of the Lord should look like, should look like, should look like. This house is not a representation of the house of the cold-hearted priest but the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of the Father. As long as there is breath in my lungs, I will contend against every spirit that tries to reduce the bride of Christ down to a concubine. And you want to know why Jürgen and I were happy to be on every news station week in, week out during the lockdowns? Because you're not going to treat God's bride like a concubine and say, yeah, you're useful for that. Yeah, oh yeah. The policies that we made in the city have basically train wrecked everybody's life. And we're not going to change them. But church, will you come in and fix something? Will you sweep up our mess? Oh, we'll make plenty more messes. But will you sweep this one up? Oh, but you want to be open during the lockdowns? Yeah, nah. Not on our watch. Oh, 
throw him a flipping self out in the town square. Because the angel of the Lord will come down and defend as he did. We were the only church meeting in San Diego. All the other pastors are scared. We're rocking on with our bad selves. You know why? Because when you stand up with courage, all of heaven will back you up. God is looking for a courageous church that will not let his bride be ravaged, not let his bride be treated like a concubine. And he will defend his people. Things are shifting. Things are shifting. Things are shifting. Amen. Amen. I've said it all and maybe more. <laughs> Amen. So, thank you, thank you. Thank you. This is, this is the word of the Lord today. And what I want to say to you is if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, well, that's, that's the game changer. I... I gave the Lord my whole heart and I, I never took it back again. I, I gave Him everything. One day we're going to stand before Him and this life, the Bible says, will feel like a vapour. Like, do you remember earth? What? Who? But all that's going to matter is what we did with our time. What we did with our time here. Were we faithful? Because the only thing that we can take to heaven is people. You're not taking that fancy BMW, that big ring. Oh, they're lovely. I'm not saying don't have those things. But they're perishing. They're wood, hay, and stubble. But there are precious things you can take with you to heaven. And it's the people we labor over. It's the ones who are at the threshold saying, tell me if it's worth saving me. Is there something redemptive? Can we look past the residue? of a person that has been beat up, abused and raped and ravaged by the spirit of the world and say, there's still life in you. I'm not going to kick you and say, get up and then cut you up and use you as an example. I'm going to breathe life into you. What the Father showed me in His house is what I'm going to be. Freely you have received, now freely give. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.